Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. I am Giles Alderson, director of the Dare feature film and World of Darkness feature documentary. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Our tagline is thinking outside the box office. So joining me is Christian James who is still recovering from the Bearmouth that was Fright Fest. And if all goes to plan, working on a new feature. Christian James. Hello, Christian. Hi, Giles. Are we allowed to Hi, talk Giles. about that? The new feature? Yeah. Uh, well, there's a couple of things bubbling, but nothing specific. Okay. And so, you know, if I start to talk about it, and then it, I'm going to jinx it, it won't happen. Mm. Or they won't happen. But off the back of Fright Fest, and certainly the film getting out there, it's, it's, there's been some meetings and some chats but I think this is part of the course, isn't it? Yeah. So, but no, Fright Fest went well, thanks. Joining us, me and Christian James, is our DOP, or my DOP, is the DOP, Andrew Roger. Oh, yeah, I'm here too. Uh, yeah. He is here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's cat loving, big time. Um, oh, you've got right. some massive news. Oh, it's no- <laughs> can, can, can we announce this big news? Tell he's us got a new cat. He's got a new cat, guys. <laughs> and now I love him. Um, I got a new agent. Which is nice. I'm now it's like a cat. Which is yeah. like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Princess Caroline. We've from... massively killed this new, this big yeah. news. I love it. It's a cat. <laughs> That's what your agent called. <laughs> Pussy galore. Uh, Whiskey cool. Yeah. Cat puns. I mean, um, yeah, I've got a new agent, and that's it, really. It's the end of the news. It's a it? big agent, though. What are they called? Uh, called WPA. They. They've got uh, they've got Chivo and they've got Ed Moore and they've got me. They've got <laughs> Andrew Rogers. Give me Roger. Round so yeah, it's good. Well done, buddy. Well yes. done. Well good. Thanks, good news. Yes, good news. Yeah. Also, we are on iTunes. Oh yeah. This is our big news. Yeah. We are on iTunes. Please go there. Please subscribe. Please what? give us a nice review. Give us a nice review. It, honestly, it, it's a, quite a bit of effort to do the podcast, and it's re- we really do appreciate anything you can give us. So that's not begging. Did, did that sound like begging? Yeah. No. All right, you yeah. do it. No, 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 actually, I couldn't have done it any better. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, yeah. I, I kind of want to introduce you because Uslock talking is just dull. Today we're talking about how to direct Emmy award-winning shows with our wonderful guest Sam Miller. Nominated. But the the show was award winning, right? Oh, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, look, Sam's not only directed countless adverts and many films, including I'm going to read this, right? Elephant Juice, which is starring Daniela Nardini, Mark Strong, and Emmanuel Bart. The U.S. box office thriller No Good Deed, starring Idris Elba, and Among Giant, his debut feature, starring Oscar nominee Pete Postlethwaite. I'm not going to stop there because he also directed award winning TV, including Tripping Over This Life. Waking the Dead, Spooks, A Single Father, Good Cop, Fortitude, Gorilla, and Luke Cage, to name a few. He was recently Emmy-nominated for the wonderful TV series Luther in the Outstanding Directing for a Miniseries, Movie, or Dramatic Special category. And even more recently than that, he directed the brand new BBC crime thriller Relic, which was on TV last night. I've seen it. It's brilliant. Welcome to the show, Sam Miller. Thank you very much for having me. That's a real pleasure. That was an intro, right? That's good. That's, that's long, good. That's the good. longest. That up. I was a little bit tense. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I was like, come on, Charles, you can do it. It was it's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. It's a lot of words. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. a lot of words. I'll do, do it, it later at home. <laughs> I'll do it when I'm at home. <laughs> that's a lot of work. That's yeah, a huge, huge body of work. Well, yeah. Tell us. Put, um, put like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this podcast is all about helping people from the ground up, people who want to get into yeah. film, people who are in film like us. Um, we're trying to teach people how to make better stuff and influence them, all that kind of crap. Um, look, well, um, first question is, how did you get started? Tell us your journey. Um, my sort of journey into it was through, was really coming up through music 
I was, a, I wanted to be a musician. I wanted, I was in a band. I wanted to sort of make music and realized that I probably wasn't going to do that. So I kind of got sidetracked into doing some acting. And then I went to drama school and I acted for about six or seven years. Because you were like in the bill, you were in, you were in Neil by Mouth, right? That's, yeah, Gary I did Oldman a few style. different things. And then from that, um, from acting, I kind of realized that I kind of wasn't quite in the right place and started to think about directing. And I wrote a short film and produced it and directed it. And that was my sort of turning point, really. What was the short? It's called Love's Lost Hour. Which you can see, it's on uh, it's on YouTube. If you want to search, yeah, it. definitely, yeah. Which was made sort of don't know how many years, twenty years ago. So you had two. I mean, you had the two realizations. First with music, yes. But then it sounds like as an actor, you were getting some gaining some ground, yeah. doing pretty well, and suddenly you're like, no, not here, going somewhere else. It's quite yeah. a brave move. Well, it it it's it is when you say it, you know, from a distance. But it actually was just it was a really natural thing because the more I did. And the more I acted, the more I was with crews, the mm. more I just kind of started watching what everyone did. And it was kind of became like a, I mean, doing something like The Bill at that time was like mm. a film school for me. So right. I got to know everyone in there. I got to know casting directors, writers, designers, cameramen, you know, because you were there all the time. So you had, an, you had real access to people. And it kind of got, I was there, for, I think I acted there for about a year and a half. And they were really, they wanted to sort of extend my contract there. And I, I said, I've made this short film, I can't. And it was the weirdest thing because they were like, you're mad, you know, mm. you can't turn down, you know, it was quite a sort of lucrative contract for another year's work, you know, and I, and, um, yeah, but I'd made this short film and I thought I've got to this, follow this path. And, uh, they were really, really good because they then saw the short film and then three months later, they actually asked me back to come and direct it, which was the hardest job I've ever done because it's with all my mates oh my you know and so you sort of come back and go okay you're now directing and you're going to direct us okay yeah, see yeah. how that goes you know <laughs> yeah good luck and so um yeah sort of it, it was a really nice sort of baptism really because in some ways it was you know a format that I really knew and understood but in other ways it was quite a challenge because it was with people who knew me really well and you know some most I mean they were incredible you know and they really accepted me and most of the actors saw it as a really sort of powerful, you know, all credit, you know, actors can do a loads of different things. So they saw it as a sort of positive thing. But then from that, I did about six episodes and then picked up a series called Cardiac Arrest, which mm. at the time was quite a little bit groundbreaking, um, which was for world productions, Jess so Mercurio. When, when would that have been? What, what, this what would have been 1995, 96, yeah. around then. Yeah. And then from that, I... Um, it was Tony Garnett who was doing Cardiac Arrest. He then said, I want you to start this series for us. And that was uh, This Life, which sort of turned mm. out to be quite a big yeah. sort of zeitgeisty, zeitgeisty hit. And so that sort of really set me on, on, on the way, you know, because I was then sort of someone who'd not just sort of crossed over, but I'd done something that people were talking about a bit and watched. And how much were we involved in that? Because obviously you were, it sounds like heavily involved. You yeah. Part of the script writing. Or? I wasn't part of the script writing, but it was part of the, you know, the kind of, the look of it was quite, was quite specific you know because we shot it it was very much um shot to feel i mean the the, the the sort of principle behind it was we shot it like it was a documentary but on a on too long a lens so the camera had to find all the yeah. time you know the camera sure, was yeah. never that still yeah. um and it was quite you know it, it so it had that you know it was this was i mean uh, god i mean listen Cassavetti's done this in the 60s and 70s. Sure. It was no big thing, but they come those things come around, sure. you know, and suddenly people yeah. went, fuck, that looks brand new. It looks amazing. It's so fresh, you know. So I'd, we'd do things with the, um, you know, with the, with the cameraman. I'd never let the cameraman watch the rehearsals. So the cameraman was coming to, into oh, a wow. scene, having not seen it before, yeah. and he was on the wrong lens. So he had to find and react and look at the scene. 
Uh, and that became the kind of style of the piece. And then I'd shoot wide shots, but I'd always shoot them last, you know, just so that I had control of the rhythm. So it wasn't yeah. all too frenetic and too close in. But it was also, it was written by Amy Jenkins and she'd written something that was, again, it was slightly mold breaking because it wasn't working class or posh people. It was in this sort of middle ground. And again, people, you know, initially sort of slagged it off because it wasn't uh, those things and then kind of got into it because it felt real, you know, it mm. felt like it was the real deal. And it broke people like Andrew Lincoln. We cast Andrew, mm -hmm. we cast yeah. Jack yeah. Davenport, we cast um, Daniela Nardini, you know, and it, so it broke them and they became big on the back of that, really. Oh, the show was huge. I mean, I remember yeah. watching it as a yeah. kid. And yeah. It did really yeah. sort of catch fire. It did, sort of didn't got, it? Yeah. Sort of got a real sort of it heat, got the youth behind and it. it got, seemed to get the yeah, older audience. It as did well. that thing, where, yeah, that magical thing where suddenly everyone watches it. Mm. You know, for a while it's just this this set of people then suddenly it just opens up and the whole world's watching it so yeah it was exciting do you know what yeah. I, I didn't want to jump in and be like yeah. oh I've done that but yeah. like uh, when I when I shot Borderline uh, especially the first series um, th that was the same approach it right. was meant to be a documentary yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but my conversation I had with the director was that let's make it prettier by yeah doing this long lens thing and, yeah. and it gives you I'm sure you know it did this for the same reasons it gives you that a uh, sort of slight distance and that's like yes. voyeurist yes. yeah. look. It's a really exciting challenge as long as you embrace it and Absolutely. you you know you're going to get another go at it and you're not, it's kind of not about beautiful, I mean, it does test you as a, an operator. Of course. Unbelievably, yeah. you know, but, yeah. a, but in a in a good way because you're actually being asked to be part of the scene. And I found you, know, you, you find part. these moments that you might miss yeah. otherwise yeah. that are, are real and, yeah. and happen. Yeah. I mean, this life was big on people listening and people watching, you know, not just people talking. So it was kind of picking up the moments in between, you know, and the way we edited it. Um, I mean, interestingly, Ellen, who cut this life, is cutting. We cut just Reddit. met her. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, How fantastic! Yeah, so I mean, her, she and I sort of uh, teamed up for quite a long time, and then we kind of fell out of sync and didn't work together for about ten years, and then we've come back together recently. So you seem like a very calm person. Yeah, I can't imagine you getting on set and going, you know. No. So how I, do you? I, 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 I'm a sort of real believer. Once I, once I agree to do a project, and I look at what we've got you know, what there is to do the project. You know, you just kind of look to find the energy of the project. You know, so it, it kind of doesn't matter. You know, I don't, I just go, okay, that's my, this is the time I've got yeah. to do this. Yeah. If, I, if I've got something that's really complicated and I know I need to, you know, wait for light or do something, then I'll tell the first and we'll try and make that work in the schedule. And if we can't make it and we still want that, then we'll go to the producer and say, look, we need this, we need much more time here or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you don't, I generally have always sort of really liked the kind of, um, you know, the energy of the, of the unit and the set and the way it works, you know, that, and that you, you kind of harness that rather than fight against it all the time. Yeah. Cause I kind of, I mean, I don't know, I'd be terrified if I had too much time because <laughs> I actually want pressure. Yeah, I want, yeah, sure. I want a deadline. You know, I want to know that I'm thinking I'm going to be off this side, mm. you know, in the next two hours. And I'm, it's not that I don't sort of see that as a negative thing. I see sure. time as a sort of, as an interesting thing, you know, as a sort of interesting component in it. You know, it actually helps me rather well, than sort of the happy me. accidents are sometimes the yeah, best exactly. things, aren't they? Yeah. Due to time, you're like, oh, yeah. I've got half yeah, an hour. Yeah. Right, let's just go. Yeah. Oh, that's way better than I thought it yeah. would be. Yeah. And the thing that I planned out for a whole day was never going to work out. Yeah, anymore. that's right. I mean, there's never. I don't think I've ever done a shoot where there's not something you go that completely stands out, and you go and you laugh because that just happened, and that you saw it, and you were able to react to it and yeah. capture it. You know, mm. that's a really exciting thing and, and why do you why do you choose certain projects i go for things that you know like anything is if the story speaks to you and you think you can do something with the story mm. you know if it has if it it has to chime for you you know it really does if you talk yourself into it it's disastrous you know it's like a 
you know, you'll, you'll come a cropper. I think, you know, you have to, has to be something about it. You go, yeah, I know I can really do something there really get into that. And so. what specific do you look for? Obviously the script, but then do you think about the color and the texture? How are you going to I think it? I think that's normally comes much later. You know, mm. I'm normally totally obsessed with story to begin with and just thinking about the story, just thinking about all the things it makes me feel, trying not to liken it to too many things, you know, trying not to, you know, cause you, you immediately get other films and other images, you know, creeping in. And I, I try to use more, um, photographic references to sort of inspire rather than say, cause the film, the film is, it's, you know, your knowledge of film can be, can just, it will creep into you and it does creep into you. There's no way that it shouldn't, yeah. you know, you'll start doing things and you go, fuck, I nick that, you know, that yeah. idea is really out of Kubrick yeah. or that idea is really, it's you know, that's again, natural, yeah. but to try to, I don't think I've never, I've always tried to really fend off doing anything that's, that, that's obvious, you know, where you, you kind of have to feel you're doing it for the first time or telling it for the first time. You know, if you think oh, I'm going to do this in the manner of, you know, it's like an actor doing an impersonation, you know, mm. it's like, it feels secondhand. Yeah, not so natural. you've got to find something like, I really like, I'm really into this. I want to do this, you know, and this, this is what excites me about it. So, I mean, like with relic, which we're working on at the moment was this, you know, the backwards momentum of the storytelling that happens. Cause it's about as, you know, badly scarred cop, who's trying to work out who did this to him and who did these other murders and it winds back in time. And what I thought was really interesting about that was it felt like you were winding back in his imagination and you're winding back in his memory. So it was unreliable and it was twisted and it became very sort of experiential, you know, very much like how he would experience it. How did that manifest in the, in terms of the film? Yeah. I mean, editing or is that the editing, the editing is part of that. The, the design, we kind of lifted the design a little bit. So it started to feel slightly apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic, you know, that the Mm -hmm. London doesn't look, I don't, I mean, you've seen it, Giles, but London doesn't look, London looks a bit twisted and a bit dark and a bit strange at times. Mm Um, we cast it very big, you know, everyone in every actor in it is really powered and really playing it, you know, and it's, so it's slightly kind of on your nerves, you know, slightly sort of testing as an edge to everything. And I mean, that, that, um, you know, that I thought this is if, you know, because I thought these scripts work just as a sort of, you know, as a backwards telling of a, of a crime story, this is going to work really well. And it's gonna be very nice. But if I can bring this other layer to it, which is a visual casting music, you know, kind of treatment of it. Then I think this will really, it can really get under your skin and really affect you and really move you, you know, tell you something about yourself. So that, that was the, that's what sort of got me into it. Because ah, Relic is on, uh, it was on BBC One last night. You can watch it on Catch Up and it's on every Monday for the next five weeks. Yeah. Relic is actually killer, spelled backwards. It is. Yes. Which is really cool. It's just cool, right? <laughs> um, honestly, I loved it. I love the colors, Did I love the palette, I love the way it was shot. I love the performances. Mm-hmm. It really just, I was like, it almost tied itself up as well. Yeah. In the end, I was like, oh, and I almost thought for a moment, that's it. Yeah. And then I went, yeah. no, hang on, there's another five. Yes. This is even yes. better. Yeah. It's good. so good. Honestly, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know so many people are going to love this. Oh, great. That's it's, really, thanks for that. Did, obviously, with the style of it and the sort of camera movement and yeah. choices, yeah. I, yeah, I, I was just sort of mesmerized by what, you did with it. Yeah. Um, was there anything specific you sort of felt you were doing? Do you know, it's one of the, it was a shoot where I, I kind of, I, I don't know about you, about you guys, but I, when I, when I go into something, I, I kind of almost forget how to shoot. You know, I literally the night before thing, I, I don't know how to I'm do it. I'm quite glad you said yeah. like that. Yeah. Exactly. But it's quite, I, I actually have yeah. always felt yeah. that, you know, you actually forget how to edit. You forget, you kind of go, Oh fuck. Oh, 
God, you better work it out again and you kind of have relearn, try to relearn it. And it's almost like trying to wipe your, wipe the slate clean to sort of approach it freshly. It sounds mm-hmm. bizarre, but, um, so I, and I, with this, particularly with this shoot, we tried loads of different things. I threw things at it. Yeah. You know, I do quite sort of odd speed ramp things. I do quite odd tracking things. And some of them were dreadful. You know, they really, so <laughs> you could feel the execs groaning. Watching the rushes going, what the fuck That just doing? cost a fortune. But it, but, it, yeah. but it was kind of like a real, it was really liberating because it was like we were kind of, it was like the gloves were off, you know, yeah. it's like we weren't yeah, getting yeah. too set. We weren't getting too, you know, we weren't too serious about it. We were sort of slightly satirizing ourselves at times, you know, so sure. it felt like a really good process, you mm. know, and it was a, it was a lesson, you know, when I looked back at it and I thought, sort, you know, I was very happy to let some of these ideas go. You know, it wasn't like I kept them in the edit and stuck with them. I, lo- I looked at them it, first yeah. time in the car and went, no, that's out, you know, that's not that, but it was a good it kind of softened everything up a little bit, you know, because it stopped it getting too settled and too set and too considered, you know, because sometimes you approach something and you think, oh, I'm going to shoot everything on wide angle, you know, really wide lenses. And you can get obsessed with wide lenses yeah, and you yeah, actually yeah, forget. Yeah. It becomes technical, you know, and I sure. thought we never really did that. And I shot a lot more close-ups in this than I normally do. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really, I wasn't really, I don't think we ever discussed it. It was just, it felt just right. What? We just went in, we went in, you know. So, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a, that how that style pops up, you know, it is things you talk about and decisions you make about the lenses. There was a lot of uncoated lenses in it. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of zinging, you know, light flaring sure, and sure, sort of sure. zinging around the what lens. What lenses did you use? Oh, God, I wish I knew. I think it was Zeiss, but they were, they were very specific. And we yeah. used, he loved, Julio, who shot the film, loves the, you know, the way that the light zinged around them, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it makes it look quite strange at times. Um, the design was something, you know, again, was something we kind of touched on in Luther, you know, kind of the way London looks, but this pushed it further out and made it dirtier. You know, I quite liked locations repeating. I liked motifs repeating because you kind of go, I, I reckon, because the audience is desperate to recognize things because of the going backwards thing. They're looking for motifs. Mm-hmm. And so repeating was a really good trick within that, I thought, because it sort of, you felt, I know where I am. I, yeah, you know, the, yeah. Um, and what about the, um, the actors? Because, Obviously, the performances I thought were fantastic oh, and really you. heightened and emotional. And uh, the sort of lead baddie, if you yeah. like, was on edge. And yeah. his wife was fantastic. She did this fantastic scene where she was crying in the, yes. the police station. Yes. How did you get them into that position? What What were you doing to bring that out? I think directing acting is a lot about what you don't say. Mm. I don't know about you, you how you feel, but you actually don't want to over intellectualize it. You want them to be in the room, feel it, and let them go. And then build them, you know, let them feel that the space is theirs and they can build a performance. Yeah, I remember having this and conversation d- with you at football and sort of, because I just made the short Heart of the Forest, which Andrew shot with me. I remember thinking, I- I'm, I'm kind of slightly over-directing or I feel yeah, like I you have feel to you, say something. They need to, yes, yeah, I was yeah. just standing like a lemon. Yeah, I yeah. must say something. I must say something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I spoke to Sam about it and he said, no, actually... The best directing is sometimes saying nothing. Yeah. Right? I just do it. All I do yeah, now I is just sort of basically that. do it, right, you know, this is what we're doing. Everyone okay? And then just check with each person. Yeah. You okay? You happy? Yeah. You happy is almost, is almost my catchphrase. Yeah. You happy? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anything you need? Yeah. And then yeah. That's it. But I remember like, you know, my first few scenes would I be in a, a, you know, a room full of like eight actors and like, fuck, I've got to say, yeah. who needs yeah. me, who doesn't? Yeah, so and how no, do no. I not show favoritism? Yeah. No, how do you deal with hard. that? Because you've got I, some I think that's always that doesn't that's the same doesn't always change. you know if you've yeah. got a set full of actors and they're all trying to do different things and especially if it's early in the day and you haven't really established those working relationships you know i think a bit of rehearsal is great but i mean i tend not to rehearse scripts so much just find time to you know make sure 
you've contacted everyone and everyone's you know everyone feels comfortable with you and they know what you're yeah. you're going for but i mean i think those scenes when you have you've suddenly got a big ensemble scene i mean not only is it a, you know how do you shoot it how do you mm. what do you need yeah. who do you cover first yeah but then yeah and all of those things are, you know that that doesn't change it's always difficult yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you had any where you've you've an actor's come in first day first scene or you know or anything mm, and it's mm. like oh that's not what i thought i was going to get <laughs> um <laughs> no names, of course. Yeah, but just just kind of like, oh, we're going this way with it, and not that it's a bad thing, but yeah. certainly like, wow, not my interpretation or not how I saw it going, or you know. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I mean, I think if you've, it's interesting because I've done a, a fair bit of stuff in the in um you know sort of episodic work in the states, you know, where you go over and do the a cable show, yeah, you know, which is quite sort of an interesting, quite indie feel, um, and there you're very much inheriting the cast, so they're everyone in fact the whole crew everyone is there yeah. you are the only person who's visiting you're the only new person which is really it's really interesting it's kind of like the, and the it's like a moving train you know as a director you kind of parachute it in you have three or four weeks you do your thing and then you then you yeah. get out and it's finished you know and does but, that, I mean, that dilute your are you aware of that the whole time so therefore you like you know, I suppose I'd be constantly worried. What did the guy before me do? Or the, yeah, the lady before me do? It's, a different, it's just a different process because the show, it's a, it's, it's much more, the, the process with that is much more trying to work out what they need from you. Yeah. You know, and you look around you and look at all the people and find out what, try to find out what they need. You know, whether they need someone to really get in with the actors and really talk to the actors or whether they need someone to settle the ship. And sometimes they need people just to hit the, hit the schedule because they haven't been hitting mm-hmm. schedules, you know. So it's kind of, you try to work out What's going on here? You know, why, yeah. why do you all look so worried? <laughs> oh, oh, that's why you're worried because the lead actor doesn't turn up, you know, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. You know, you try to work out the, what the, what the game is and it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, a really intense bout, you know, like a, like intense gym session. You know, it's quite, a, it's, it's interesting. And then you're spat out at the end and you're finished. You're like, that's it. You know, <laughs> you whereas, just wait for it to come on TV. Yeah, wait for it to come on TV. You know, you, you edit it, you, you probably do four days editing. So you get wow. it into a very sort of rough shape and then hand it over, nice. you know. So you don't so, finesse the... No, not at all. Oh, you just no. say, that's roughly yeah, my idea. That's roughly what I was or going yours. for. And they'll wow, do what they want okay. with it, yeah. So yeah. that's the difference between something like Luke Cage, yes. which you went and did, and then yes. something like Fortitude. Yeah, in 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 Britain, there's still a, quite a different model. You know, the, the model is still the director as auteur. The director, you know, is part of the whole process, finds the locations, finds the cast, sets the thing up, you know, and then sees the thing through, you know, does the edit, goes right to the dub, goes right to the mix, goes, you know, works with the composer. So it's a very different, and it just is, you know, and I mean, in terms of, the experience, you know, being on set in the UK, there's not, you, you've got a producer who's looking out for you, but you've got not really got anyone who's interfering with what you're doing. Mm. You know, they, they might, they might interfere with the rushes or talk to you about rushes, but you've sure. not got anyone on set saying, tell that actor not, you know, you've not got any over, anyone over directing you. Whereas in the States, it's probably more like doing a commercial, you know, where you've got a bank of people watching monitors and sometimes they'll just stay well back and stay out, but sometimes you've got showrunners who are very much, you know, discussing every minutiae, you know, and kind of talking to actors as well. So it's a different sort of process. And you've got to, you just got to be quite, I think you just got to see that process for what it is, you know, and kind of let it be what it is. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. slightly different, it's slightly. So so something like Luke Cage or or Black Cells, where you, Mm. it's quite a strong stylistic, like a look and a feel and a pace. How would you approach that? Is that? 
would you watch the show before you go in? Or yeah, you'd, they'd, they'd let you watch. You'd probably watch the pilot, and then you'd talk to the DP about the things they've been doing, right. and you'd sort of try to push the push the boat a little bit and try to you know develop things further. Sure, you know, but you'd be, you'd pretty much be doing it within how they're approaching it. Okay. So you're not yeah, going yeah. in there trying to sort of sort totally of reinvent it. it and change yeah, everything. Yeah. It's again, it's, it's probably similar to someone, you know, like a writer who's in the writer's room, their success is successful as the whole series. Yeah. Your episode might be great and people might love it, but really the whole series needs to succeed for you to be a success. So you're kind of giving your services to the bigger thing, sure. really, I suppose. Yeah, so yeah. it's, it's a good way to look at it. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. let's jump back a little bit. Okay. Cause you went from, Doing this life, quite a bit of TV. Yeah. And then you made your first feature film, uh, Elephant Juice. Actually, my first feature film was actually Among Giants. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. no, all right. And then you it's made your first feature time. film, yeah. Among Giants. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, talk about that. There's a difference between yeah, the two. Yeah, that was a good time because it was quite an ambitious film to make on a low budget. It, it had Pete in it. It was amazing. Mm. How many w- weeks? Yeah, we probably shot for five weeks. Shooting on film. Five, yeah, shot yeah. on film. Yeah, that's where the money went, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was kind of an ambitious film because it was about pylon painters up in Yorkshire, crossing the Yorkshire Moors. Mm. You know, it was about a gang of guys yeah. who were being exploited to do this job, and it was about their characters: Andy Circus, Lenny James. You know, as well as Pete Poss and Rachel Griffiths, you know, so it was an amazing sort of ensemble to bring together mm. to do it. But it, and it was technically difficult because there was a lots of exteriors and lots of high up exteriors and, you know, quite a few tricky things to achieve. You know, as a sort of low budget film, you know, you, there, there weren't obvious outlets, you know, and I think in, in retrospect, films, you either go for festivals or you try and get, you know, some sort of commercial success but mm-hmm. with a low budget film no one's really that invested in it no one's really unless your film is is an obvious you know out the park hit they're not really going to come in with loads of money you know they're not they're going to so it got distributed it got seen well it got reviewed well did it get an audience it, it got people who loved it but it didn't really you know so it, no so it was a good experience and it was a really tough experience and it was a really crazy experience it was like a whole summer spent out on the moors shooting this film. So mm. I was very proud of it. Oh, good. But, Elephant Juice was straight after that, was pretty it? Pretty much was quite close to the back of that. Elephant Juice was um, a film that was written by Amy, who'd written This Life. Mm. We probably needed to develop it more. At the time, we were both quite, you know, the film companies were going, yeah, yeah, make a film, that'd be great. You yeah. know, it was inter- there were interesting times, you know, they were, and definitely for me, I was sort of, I kind of had, I didn't have enough knowledge of, how brutal the film industry is, you know, how not, I mean, how hard it is to get a story and launch it and get it up there. And it was a real sort of shock to me. And that sort of sent me spiraling into doing commercials for a couple of years and, you know, kind of kept away for a little bit. Because it is, it is really hard to get a good story out there, yeah. to get an audience. Yeah. And even now, I yeah. don't think there's any difference. No, it's not. I In don't fact, think there's, there's, any there's even more films out now, yeah. right? I, I mean, mean, I suppose the only thing you have now is you've, there's more... Platforms. Yeah, more platforms, mm-hmm. which means that your film might survive somewhere, might get seen somewhere, might... You know, whereas then it was kind of, it was kind of, yeah. you know, the video shop or the DVD shop, you know, it wasn't really. You couldn't put it out. Whereas if the yeah. dad doesn't, do yeah. it, we'll put it out ourselves. Yes. If just someone will yeah. see it, if yeah. you want to go see it, we'll find yeah. a website somewhere. So yeah, yeah you're right in that mm-hmm. sense. So, I mean, I, I also thought, f- felt, you know, when you make a film, you, you have to find a place where you go, where you feel that's done, finished mm. and move on. Yeah. And again, with films, there's a danger that you kind of get, you get a bit meshed, you get a bit messed up in the machine, you know, you can't kind of shake it off. Yes. You know, sort of creatively, you're kind of still carrying it, you know, you're still. So all those test screenings, all those people with different opinions, and you're like, oh, what works? I think it's a real, 
it's really important to realize when you finish something and to kind of mark it, say, I finished that, that's walk done, away, walk yeah. away yeah. and let it be what it is, you yeah. know, not sort of carry the wounds. You know, I speak to a lot of filmmakers who, you know, they're still angry about the soundtrack or they're angry about it. And you go, oh my God, you know, yeah. let it go. Yeah, you know, they, it's done yeah, now. Yeah, sure. You know, put all your energy into something else now because that's finished. You know, that's, that's done and it's great, but it's done, mm. you know, so. So when a producer comes to you <laughs> with... That was smooth. <laughs> we can cut all that out. Um, um, so they come to you with a script, one script in it, or a whole series, or how does that... Do you get, um, here's six, seven scripts. Yeah. Which one do you want to do? Or do you have to do all of them? Or how does that get divvied yeah. up? It's a strange thing because it doesn't seem to... There's, there's not that much run-in time to projects. Like, you know, I'm reading a couple of projects now and they'd start in October. You know, and you think, oh, that's really quick. Everything happens mm, often, really often yeah. when things get commissioned, they get commissioned on the proviso that you have to have it ready for this time. So suddenly it all yeah. gears up and someone calls you and say, well, you, do you want to read it? Are you interested? And you read it. And then if you're interested, go and chat to them. And if they're interested, they then go to the execs or they go to the, you know, the money companies and say, we've got this guy who might be interested. What do you think? And they go, nah, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, yeah. you know, so it's a sort of a bit of a, you know, marriage being set up to um you know to make it work but i mean i i so i've got a you know an agent who you know knows what things are moving around you know come at you and say oh so and so's developed this we know they like you you might like it here read it go chat yeah go and have a chat and would with you, them. if you're doing let's say a couple of episodes in a yeah series would you read the scripts before and after that or would you just go and do the ones you're um i think i mean that i um, yeah, it depends on the project. I yeah. mean, with with um, Gorilla, I went in and I did out, out of six thing, out of a six part thing, I did episodes three to five, which is quite. It was sort of bizarre, but I wanted to. Um, I love work. I've worked with the, John Ridley, who was the writer mm. and initial director in the states, and he's such a unique voice that I kind of was really happy to, you know, get on board that series and do that. Although mostly now I try not to sort of follow on too much if it's in, under the, you know, in, in the original world. I'd rather try and start it, you know. Mm. So. And in that case, yeah, I definitely read everything before to sort of get myself as clued up as to how the characters were going to work. And do you start, uh, do you draw little things by the side of the script, like start working on storyboard ideas? Do you know, I wish or? I was like that. But I'm really bad at writing, really bad at I wish I was, you know, I see other people and they're fantastic at notes and everything. I'm kind of a little bit archaic and sort of like bury it in my head somewhere. Okay. Um, I mean, I storyboard if, if something's complicated or if there's a lot of, you know, CGI or stunt work. Can you draw? Um, vaguely, yeah. Enough, enough to yeah. Or, or you'd use a storyboard artist, you know, if it's really complicated, you know, if there's a big sort of car sequence in six you know with the upturning cars and smashing things up and blowing things up and then you draw it you know you'd you'd yeah. you'd, you'd bring you know storyboard artists would come in and you sort of rough it out together and then mm. you'd look at the roughs and he would you know he or she would then sort of complete it but that's no normally when there's you know when it's quite complicated and there da there's danger around it or it's you know expense you know mm. very expensive but i mean mostly i wouldn't storyboard you know normal conversations 
you know, I don't, I don't see the point. Is that yeah. an improvisational thing? Is that so you're freer on set? Yeah, I, I don't. I would hate to be sort of tied into. You said you were going to do this, and I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't want to do that now. You know, and I remember, I remember listening to one really famous director talking. And he, he said in television he storyboarded everything, then he changed it on the day. And I thought, well, that's just the worst of every world. You know, that's you give <laughs> yeah, people an idea that you think you know what you're doing, and then you change it. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, you we just, were doing this. No, we're you, not. You we're just ruin, yeah. You know, so I mean, at least you know, if you storyboard, try and follow it. You know. Yeah. I was like the uh, Gene Hackman uh, Quick and the Dead mm. story. And Sam Raimi storyboarded, as he does all his films, yes. every yes. scene. Yes. But Gene Hackman, uh, I think no, actually the third AD would take Gene Hackman the storyboards every morning. Yeah. And all, all oh, day really? one. Yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. like, yeah, interesting. I won't be doing any of that shit. Oh, really? wow. So then from day two onwards, they're like, do not take Gene yes. any of the storyboards. Yes. And they had to do everything in their power to like, if he was going anywhere, right, yeah. keep those storyboards. Yeah. Don't put yeah, them yeah, anywhere, yeah. you know. Yeah. Had to make it. That's a really horrible power battle. Yeah. yeah. And he had to, make, he had to, he'd have an idea oh. for a shot. And also, yeah. Sam Raimi yeah. is so yeah. specific. Yeah. But he'd have to like find ways to <coughs> trick Gene Hackman to do the shot. I didn't board it. I yeah. didn't board it. I just yeah, thought of it. Yeah. Just, hey, that yeah, big Gene, track was just yeah. happened to be there. Apparently it's like, yeah. hey, if you, yeah, I love what you put yeah. your foot. Now, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was your yeah. idea, Gene. Yeah. You yeah. said yes. put the track in yeah. <laughs> last night when you were drunk. You know what I mean? Imagine every day having to do that with an actor. Every day having to go and go, oh God, how am I going to make him do that? Oh no, that's a nightmare. And the way to start. It really is. Um, let's let's jump back a tiny bit yeah. from Relic to Luther. Yeah. Now, Luther was a massive success. It was mm. huge. It got you Emmy nominated. Yes. The show won so many awards. It won yeah. Idris Elba a Golden Globe. Yeah. Um, let's talk about how that came about, how that was created. Yeah. Process on that. That was um, yeah back in I don't know was it five years ago when it started. Longer I think. Was it was it yeah shit okay um, yeah the. The writer and the designer and the producer and myself had worked on Spooks together mm. and done the, one of the last seasons of Spooks. So we had a kind of shorthand. And then that came along. I actually didn't direct the first ones, although I was quite involved in setting it up. I did three and four of the first season and then kind of took it on, you know, so. How does then, that work? So with a director doing the first few episodes, yeah. do you work a How does that dynamic work it depends because uh, again in the there's a uh, it can there's lots of different ways it can work mm. and it's it's uh, how directors kind of get on how well they talk together it's a really difficult it's a really sort of strange area because in some ways you know as a director you're the kind of you're king for the day mm. just for the day just for the day you know? <laughs> it doesn't always feel like you're king not at home no definitely not at home don't make that mistake exactly <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so to meet another king for the day is quite an odd experience sure. you're like who's king here mm. oh no i am no you yeah um you different projects are different you know in terms of the collaboration between people you know i've always i've tried to have you know really open collaborations and really try to be as open as possible about talking about ideas and sort of feeding into each into things actually relic was the first time that i'd you know the director hands who came in to do four and five of this of this six-parter, we actually interviewed directors, and it's actually the first time I've ever interviewed wow. directors. You know, to what kind of questions did you ask? What do you? Mm. What do you the really difficult you, yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. kind of films do like you like? These yeah. questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting. You know, so it's a. Uh, it was very sort of revealing for me. You know, you, you can tell when people are talking because they. You know, I suppose the difference between people, you know, there's a big part of directing, which is about technique and about skill and about things you've learned. And then there's another part of it, which is about heart and soul. And, you know, you're as an artist, 
you know, it's how those things express themselves in interviews. Is, yeah. I think everyone's totally different, you know, and I think probably every director's totally different in that. Have they got to try and not follow, but you've, obviously the show's got to look slightly similar, yeah, hasn't it? You they can't have, yeah. Make yeah, it no, we, we, with Hands, I mean, we, we had a way that this, the DP that worked with Hands was also part of our team in a way, because we'd worked a lot with him okay. as well. So it was very much a sort of close team and hands had to really accept that and go okay you're going to bring put me with this guy actually they got on really well and it was a great relationship but it was slightly us kind of saying you know we want to make sure there's real continuity of look and continuity of feel and is the reason why you wouldn't direct them all well with that in that situation it was because the scripts weren't written so there wasn't time to prep them so there was no way you could possibly I see. prep six hours i mean even prepping three hours was kind of difficult but prepping mm. six hours so um it's basically like six feature films yeah really a lot a long many many mm. weeks yeah how do you uh because i would worry if i got on set for anything i did mm. and didn't know it inside and out and back to front mm. and mm. even then sometimes mm. you, you you occasionally something where i'm just mm. like how do you cram all that into your brain yeah, and know. still remember like, you know, yeah. your partner's name or your, you know, <laughs> yeah. your dog's name, etc. Yeah, you know, you've got to throw some stuff out. Yeah. I don't know. I suppose you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, trying to define for yourself what the story is and follow that, mm. follow that, you know, you're, you're trying to, you, you don't, I think there's a lot of information you don't want to carry with you. Like I never like to try and, you know, do the, D, the DP's job for, for them all the time you know I'd like to I like to remain innocent about some of those things mm. you know because if you start to try and you can do everyone's job you can operate the B camera you can operate the A camera you can mm. you know you can but I mean it kind of starts to clutter you I think if you you know you try to just you know you you're always working on what the story is and you know what the important parts of that story you know it kind of bruise through you a little mm. bit so uh, I mean I don't um so you know your lenses, etc. But you might not necessarily always say it's got to be a fifty, it's got to be an eighty. No, I mean you, you, you'd have a feel for that. You sure. Know, you, but I wouldn't. I suppose what I'm saying is I don't. I think part of the knack is not getting distracted by the wrong things. You know, as, yeah. as we all do at times. Mm. You know, you, you get obsessed about something, mm. and then weeks later you're looking at it, going, "What the hell was I obsessed about that? That's yeah, so that's not about that. <laughs> it's about this." You know. Well, you get asked you know, so many I mean, questions as well. As well yeah. As what this costume, that costume, this color. Yeah. Th- yeah, 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 yeah. That bit of road that you're going to shoot on. Yeah. So trying to keep all that in your head. Yeah. Is, I mean, tough. I think a sort of great example of that is you know when you see you know big special effects movies. And you can see that all of the attention and the care has gone into executing the special effects mm-hmm. and not the story, you know, because yeah. the story somehow, you know, seemed to be insignificant yeah. because you're worried about whether the wall was exploding or the plane was landing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think yeah. it's, so it's, I think it's trying to train yourself to really be aware of what it is you want at each moment and what you're trying to get out of the scene. Um, I think I lean quite heavily on my actors. You know, I sort of expect, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, feel them and see how they're what they're going to pull out of the scene as well um and and say first take do you give them little to nothing and see what they do yeah. first or how do depends, you depends who they are but i yeah. mean i definitely try not to cr- not to not to cram them or cramp them or you know you know i definitely try to step back step away sure. from them a little bit and just let them let them feel that they're very they're the most important thing 
in this, you know, of the scene because they are. What about and, the actor next to them? <laughs> and let them feel yeah. the most too. important yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but let that process, you know, let that process feel like it's very important. Yeah. You know, I, I tend not to, you know, I try to keep any sort of technical discussions about, you know, lenses or tracking or lighting, try and keep that off the set, you know, try and make sure we have those quietly. You know, if I hear, you know, you if you feel there's a problem coming, you know, like some focus ball is struggling to get something or whatever, you want mm. to protect the actor from that. Sure. You don't want them to suddenly start yeah. feeling everyone's worry that something's wrong. Is that, I'm sure you've been there. I mean, yeah, and as an actor, is there yeah. stuff, so when you were, you know, on the other side of the camera, yeah. could you feel that stuff previously? Yeah, or? you definitely, you, you know, you're, you're the atmosphere you create and the, the you allow to happen is a huge, big part of it, I think. So how do you, you know, stop it happening? How you know it's come? You can feel something wrong. What what do you do? I would just you know use my heads of department to convey you know that it's not acceptable that you know that not to keep the stuff off the floor, so mm. to keep problems off the floor. To you know, and I think you know crews really feel you know they they feel that mm. we're all concentrating on this exchange. You, you know, Focus Bull is doing his job, the cameraman, you know, we're all doing our jobs within this, but we don't need to, we don't need to be too loud or to shout about that because it's about this moment that's happening. Yeah. You know, so you just try to create that atmosphere and make sure that atmosphere is, is, is there for the actors to just be in it. You know, it gives them the best chance to be relaxed, to really let themselves relax, you know. I love what you said there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, so the same with Idris Elba then, working yes. with him, obviously, uh, before Luther, he was he was known. Yes, but Luther really put him on the map. It did in the UK. I mean, I suppose Stringer, you know, in um, of Stringer Bell, with and, the wire. yeah, the Wire mm. sort of really got you know a lot of people interested in him. But but Luther certainly gave him a you know a UK, and then that then played huge in the states as well, which mm. was amazing, amazing choice by him because everyone said you'll come back to England to do a lead in a London series, and at that time it sort of they weren't I'm sure as American big, agents were saying like, come on, yeah. you know, for what you know mm. you're doing what. Mm. You know, so it was a real amazing sort of turn of events. And how did it, did, did you cast him? How, did you approach him? How did it work? Yeah, I mean, I think um, he was quite, un, he was quite out left field casting. It was considered left field casting at the time because he was known in America and wasn't particularly known here. And because um, the part wasn't obviously written for him didn't play to his strengths necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, and I think he landed in the part and then just went and lived and Made filled it. that part and mm. it became, became him. He became Luther. He's it's just a, he's a sensational actor. I mean, he, he's sensationally good. I mean, he really is. I mean, there's nothing, there's no weaknesses. I don't think. In when you've got does. someone like Idris, do you just go, okay, so you don't, you know, is it just, off you go then. Just, yeah. You know, no, you're lying. I'll just be over the, by the camera if you need no. it. How's, yeah. that, how's it work? I think, it's, I, think it's, I think with any, with every actor is trying to work out how, how you can help them, what they need help with when they need steering, when they need invigorating, when they need you to direct them, mm. you know, cause there's a big, you know, I, de- I definitely, I suppose I'm, I'm of the, you know, I'm of the school not to get over involved, not to get over intellectual, but I li- really do, I'm really in there with them and I kind of definitely do work each moment, you know, and find things within the moment. And I, it's, but yeah, so it's a sort of, it's quite a sort of seamless process, I'd say, you know, and there's not really a, a formula to it or, mm. a, you know, everyone is different. Everyone you work with is different. I suppose it's dangerous to think, oh, that person's an amazing actor. Yeah. There's, and, and there's nothing I can tell them about acting that they don't know already. Sometimes I suppose they just want, 
someone to bounce ideas yeah. around with yeah or yeah or, just, or come up with something they hadn't thought of yeah. or give them you know because it might that you know you might do you might sometimes do a take where it doesn't necessarily become the best take mm. but it shakes them yeah and so something has happened i remember doing a scene in spooks with this really sort of senior actress and she was playing this villain and she had this incredible showdown scene and i sort of whispered and it was a big scene there were a lot of people around it was like in, in one of them you know, in the, an episode. And I remember asking her to hiss. I said, when you reach that point, just hiss. hiss. I just whispered it to her. Like a panther. Yeah, like a cat. <laughs> and she, and it was cats. the bizarrest <laughs> moment. It was like she, she said, so okay. And then into the scene and it was quite serious. No one knew this was going to happen. And she said this sort of defining line to, um, to the other actor. And then she hissed. <laughs> and it, it was electric, you know, that everybody within the room was like, holy fuck, she just became an animal, you know, because that was, and it was such a, everyone's reactions in the room, every, the way everyone saw it, you could feel everyone's hair going on the back of their necks, mm -hmm. you know, so those moments, you go, well, that moment may not make it into the film, as it happened, it did, because it was such a sort of extreme kind of thing, mm. and she, she was one of the, she was like an agent that had been pursued across eight episodes, so it was a big, huge denouement when she suddenly mm. revealed herself. Mm and all her kind of bitterness. Were you um, pushing for that to get the reaction more from that? Like, well, I was just looking for more things from the sure. scene, you know, so I probably felt at that stage, I thought, well, I've probably got this scene in a format. Mm -hmm. I've got this scene shot, but what else can I get from it? Sure. So, so it was just a kind of slightly, um, yeah, out there idea. Mm. And it was extraordinary. And, it, and what it did to everyone else was extraordinary. And that was, we were shooting with three cameras. So a lot of those moments were like, oh, fuck, yeah. it was really yeah. captured. So now at the yeah. end of everything you shoot, you say, say right, hiss. you do this? <laughs> you're, like, you're known for. Idris, just hiss. I suppose it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I like things that make performances more visceral and make sure, them more yeah. animal and make them more, and it, again, if it throws the actor away from the words, the words are kind of, sure, yeah. you know, only a mm. part of the story. So. so then you work with Idris on No Good Deed, on yes. the feature film No Good Deed. Yeah. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was, um, it was, a, he, he, he'd done quite a lot of work with, um, Sony Pictures and they had a branch that did, you know, specialized in doing kind of slightly low budget, what they call urban American films. Mm -hmm. And he had this script, which was quite an interesting script, um, called No Good Deed, which was kind of about, um, a guy breaking out of prison who, who goes to this woman's house and then a relationship starts to ensue and you're not quite sure whether it's psychotic or not psychotic and what's at stake. And the script was quite, it was, had potential, I thought. Mm. Um, and Idris sort of approached me about it and I, it sort of worked really well for me because it got me, you know, working over there. It got me mm. set up with a DGA and got me sort of going there. But the actual project, I mean, the project did well commercially and was sort mm. of deemed successful. But the film was kind of slightly horrid up and it lost its kind of, the interesting bits were kind of pushed aside, I thought. Was that okay. during production or was it... It was, a, it was a mixture of things. It was basically in pre-production, they really didn't want to develop it. So they didn't want a writer and it needed developing. Sure. And we thought it was going to be developed, but it wasn't. And then in the post, they really were, they were just very, it was very basic. You know, was it, it was almost taken away from you a little bit? Is that? Yeah, I mean, in a studio system, you've not really, you know, there's not a, you take it to a point and you can try to stay on the, bull but there's a point where you know someone you aren't going to make any difference if someone says i really want this to be a horror film mm -hmm. and you go no it really is a thriller mm. probably they're going to win if they're the exact you know if they're the sort of, and let's yeah. say you get to a composer will they be passing notes to a composer or how does that sort of yeah 
again, that was a yeah, tricky they, one. They do a weird thing there where they have um, sound editors who who hash scores. It's oh. bizarre ah. thing. It's horrible, and it's kind of basically wow. a, it's basically a you know you've got someone who is who has all the stems from all the great scores and is kind of mashing up to create the perfect kind of most saccharine score you can imagine because it's kind of a mixture of everything of yeah. so that no you've voice. got your score already and they the, they then come in and repurpose it no they then they then so the sound editor mocks up a score Tem- and you uh, listen to it at temp score and you listen to it and go that's just horrible it sounds like every other score wow done by a robot <laughs> and that then goes on to become a template so this is this was this wasn't a, you know a creative zenith yeah. of filmmaking this was a sort of okay that's what happens in that in that area. And I kind of knew that was going to be, I knew that it was going to be quite a difficult, you know, process. I knew it was going to be a rough ride. So I wasn't particularly shocked or, you know, too, you know, um, paralyzed by it. I just kind of, you know, you just went, well, that's what that is. And that's what that part of the world does, you know, and you have to kind of of respect that. The film then went on to sort of become, I think it was number one of the American box office. It was number one. What do I know? You know, so like, <laughs> so you, you know, if I you, said to them, hey, what about that great film that got yeah. away? Well, look at the bank, you know, look yeah, at yeah, this, yeah, you know, yeah, so. Yeah, that's true. It goes back to that thing about, you know, walking away from, you know, when you finish mm-hmm. something, finish it. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, you get better, or I think you get better at playing a long game. Sure. You know, yeah. you say, where does this fit in the journey that I'm doing? Where does this, you know, what's at stake? What can I change? You know, you probably get better at not fighting the battles that you're going to lose you know, you're going to lose that battle. So why piss everyone off fighting them? You're going to lose it. So don't try and bring them in, you know, use, you know, use a different technique to try and get mm. what you want. Because if you go head to head, you know, you're not necessarily, it's not going to benefit. Yeah, so yeah. Well, if you get the best people around you, you're going to get the best results, yeah, that, right? That to me seems, yeah. It just talks to them yeah, about what you want. Fun. You know, you really, enjoy, it should be really fun, enjoyable, right? you know. So what's next for you? Um, obviously finishing up Relic at the moment. Um, yeah. and, and then what, what would you like to do next? What's yeah, the plan? I don't know. I'm sort of, I'm kind of enjoying this, you know, I'm enjoying the kind of vein of the work recently. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy doing Fortitude. I enjoy doing Gorilla. I enjoy doing Relic, you know, I'm so, and I've also, so for me it's sort of balancing, you know, whether there's something else in the States to go over to or whether there's something else happening here. It seems that a lot more is happening here now, you know, that the, the American companies have, come over here so that sort of changed the game a little bit okay for us you know for in the tv world i mean in the sort of television drama world and are you so, more tv or film where 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 yeah, where's I mean, your I, sort of heart i do you know i suppose i'm i television has a kind of you know the, there's a sort of i mean everyone talks about it but there's a there's an intensity to television that probably surpasses film if it's incredibly written and it's mm. properly mm. done you know where yeah. you're going into something in quite a deep way so I'm I'm really happy working in television. But having said that, I love the format. A one-off 90-minute film, you know, is, is amazing as well. So the two things I'm developing, one is a series and the other thing is a kind of low-budget film. So that's, I'd like one of those to happen. But that's a bit further down the line. But, okay. Yeah. Um, and where can people follow you? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Facebook? No, I'm not. You're not? No, okay. No. He's too no. big. He's too big. I love that. No, I think I just missed the window of opportunity for it. So. <laughs> There's still time. So. Yeah, I know, There's I know. still time. I know. Um, well, listen, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate your time. Right. Uh, so do watch Relic which is on BBC One now uh, and for the next five weeks. Cool. It's fantastic. Um, well, look, anyway, we're on iTunes. Please do uh, support and do your best to subscribe, like whatever. 
we'd love it. It really helps. Okay. It does. It does. Yeah. Um, you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod or go to our website, thefilmmakerspodcast.com. CJ, we can follow you. At CJamesDirect uh, on and Twitter. Andy, where can we follow you? I am at 35mm DOP everywhere. And also now the WPA website. If you look for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can follow me at Charles Alderson. Thank you very much. Our very special guest, Sam Miller. Appreciate all your time. Thank you very much. Thanks, oh. Sam. Cheers. Thanks, Sam. Pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.